Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Kayla, and I'm here with my co-host, Juliana, and our special guest, Allison. And the topic we're going to dive into today is grief and all the different forms that it can take and also our experiences with grief and moving through grief. Um, so I'm going to throw it over to Allison to start because she has a really interesting take and perspective on grief. Oof. I hate and love that you say interesting because it's like, oh my God, he's dealt with it a lot. <laughs> Allison is grief experience. Yes. 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 Queen. But yeah, I, I just feel like everyone thinks of grief as losing someone, which yes, absolutely, that is grief. But like, we all feel grief in different types of ways, rather that's you're grieving over a loss of like a friendship, like that person's still alive, but they're just not your friend anymore. Grief over losing a relationship, grief over losing a pet, grief over losing like a part of yourself that, you know, you didn't know that you needed to say goodbye to or a piece of yourself that you wish you could bring back again. Like there's just so much. I, and I hate that like to say this, but there is a lot to be sad about, but there's also a lot to reflect within that sadness and like learning how to express your feelings, articulate your feelings, and then moving through those feelings in a way that brings more positivity into your life than before. Because going through grief is supposed to bring you some form of like a refresh, a restart. And I think like that's a thing, like it's hard to get to because no one wants to feel grief. Like you feel it in the pit of your stomach and you feel it like as it swells up in your throat when you're trying not to cry. Like no one likes to feel that way, but it's part of life. It's part of growing. So true. Totally. Um, have either of you ever experienced like large bouts of grief? Um, because I personally, I feel very lucky that I've never, like I've experienced grief in a lot of other ways that Allison just explained, but I've never had a family member that was close to me pass or a friend that's passed. So I'm kind of waiting for that, for that, for that day to come because it's not going to be good because I have not built up like a tolerance of any sort. Like I'm just thinking of my dog Piper, like when my dog dies, I'm going to be distraught. Like the world is literally going to end. Um, too. So it's like, I feel very fortunate that I've never lost somebody very close to me. But I'm wondering if you guys have ever experienced that and how you kind of got through because I can't even imagine like the I imagine it kind of like a breakup almost like the depth of that emotion is something that is so deep and hit so hard. Um, I'm wondering if you guys have ever experienced that um, and how you kind of went through that season of life. Juliana, do you want to start? Um, yeah, sure. Um I haven't had any recent griefs. My most or my biggest one, I think, was my mom when I was younger, um, when I was seven. And I didn't – at seven, you don't really understand what's going on. So I think it was more of like a a stagnated grief um, because it started to come in waves when I was older of like, oh, wow, all my friends have a mom to pick them up from soccer practice or – to talk about periods with or, or things like that. And so you like experience those sort of moments. Um, and then, I mean, it's still even in adulthood still comes. Cause again, I see those moments um, and it just, it feels like something is missing and you can't really explain it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a whole lifelong, I think 
losing someone so close to you. It's a it's a life long uh, healing. So yeah, I guess that's what I would say about it. Um, and there's nothing really that I sort of did to get through it other than just connecting with other people, you know, and sort of keeping that network strong. What about you, Allison? Uh, okay. So I feel like Juliana, you're so more, you've always been like in touch with your emotions or just like, you are very much like, you have like a comfort about you that you're like, it's okay to cry. And like, I had, I had to be taught that it's okay to like feel emotions and like to cry. So like, I never enjoyed being like comforted when I was sad, like being held. Oh my God, that was like the worst. So like, I feel like one of the big things that we should talk about is an understanding how you want to be comforted during grief because everyone's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that depends on what it is, but I learned my version of comfort by grief was not always the best for me because I would just pretend like it didn't happen. And I would like, I could, I remember being able to do this. So I've actually had, I've had two really big losses and I would say in about three years, three to four years span. So I lost my aunt, who was my second mom, um, out of nowhere. She had a heart attack at home no one saw it coming like actually her the day that her her passing away anniversary is like next week i'm gonna be out of work juliana see you later i won't be there (laughs) and i just like i went to the house and you like it's like i literally remember rushing to her house because my mom called me and told me to get there to like handle things so like i'm there I have to, like, get her, her kids out so they don't see her like that. And they're, like, very young. I'm, like, talking to the police officers. I'm talking to, like, the paramedics. I'm talking to, like, the inspectors that come in later to, like, you know, look at the body, do all the things, take the body to the funeral home. I'm the one calling the funeral home at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning so they can come pick up the body and, like, do all the things. And, like, I can just not feel anything. And just be stone cold and continue on because that's what I need to do in that moment in time. And I, and that continued way after her funeral, where I had to like go get help in order to process those feelings in a in like a healthy way. Like my therapy helped me cry and helped me like let go of those memories or not those memories, but let go of those feelings that were holding inside of me. And then over the summer, Juliana knows this, but my grandmother is passing away from cancer. So I like went to hospice, spent time with her, was very much there while she was, you know, going through the transition and I was able to say goodbye, but still like saying goodbye is so difficult and so hard and no, it will never get any better, but I've learned that keeping space for your sadness and scheduling out time to actually be sad is the best thing that any of us can do for ourselves because it gives us an opportunity to remember in a very safe space that like they were here. They existed. You have memories with them. You have their stuff. You have their photos. You can have things that smell like them. Like they were here and they were loved. And I think that is what helped me helps me continue grieving 
because I very much still am. And it, it's gotten easier, but it's definitely, it's definitely something that still happens. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think it's so important also what you were saying about like giving time to let yourself grieve um, on a different scale. I mean, not that we can judge anyone's breakup, but me and uh, Kayla were talking about breakups and we were talking about how at least I like to have like a sort of not a grieving, what did I call it? A wallowing period of like where I allow myself, depending on how long the relationship was, to eat ice cream for a whole day, maybe a whole week and just watch movies and get it all out, like love movies and just like cry. Um, I think that's obviously different with grief, but do you mind talking about what you did when your grandmother died and sort of how you took time to grieve and what were maybe your self-care activities like watching a movie or you know how you remembered her yeah so I was very lucky enough to like my job let me take time off to one care for her (laughs) yeah care for her and then also um process the funeral and stuff like that so I, I was still getting paid to feel these feelings and like not have to interact with anyone at work or very few people I should say at work um so what I did is I was, um, I had to actually pack up her whole apartment. So, like, she lives in New York. We lived in New York. I live in California. So, like, I was flying back and forth all the time to get things situated, packing all these boxes, going through her stuff with my mom, her daughter, my cousin, and, like, her, my um, my uncle, which is my grandmother's son. And we would just talk about the memories that we had with our grandma for each each item. And, like, I brought some things home with me. So I have things, like, in my home that belong to her. And I love that. I have pictures of her. Um, And also, like, when I was not with my family, I feel like that's when I knew the grief was actually real and actually happening. Because I was by myself and with my partner. But, like, my partner knew my grandma, but not in the way that I did. So it's just like, I would have these moments where I just can't stop crying. And it was not great. So in order to like, structure myself, I have like an hour or two in a week. It's usually like Sunday nights, where I like play music, like her favorite music. I like light a little candle. And I either I have like a voice recordings of my grandmother leaving me voice messages. And before she passed, I like um, asked her a whole bunch of questions about her childhood and recorded those conversations. So like I listen to her and I hear her voice and like it's so great to have that because I know she's not gone. I mean, I know she is gone, but like I know that she loved me and she knows that I loved her because I can hear it in those conversations that we had. And it's not a, it's not just a memory. You know, because like it's there's proof, and that makes me feel better. Oh, I love that. I'm gonna cry, but it's just so sweet <laughs> <laughs> to like you know think back to recordings, and it's it's so interesting the digital age that we live in that we have these little bits. I remember when my grandma first, my grandma on my dad's side died. She died when I was like younger, I was like 15, and I don't re- really remember how I processed that. But the point is, I used to call her voicemail just listen to it and it was just, I remember thinking when I was younger whatever I'd call it I hated that she never answered and then I would just call it and like listen to it and I'd hear her voice 
um, because you didn't really know how to record it. So it was sort of like awkward and it was just funny. Um, But yeah, those little moments of just hearing them and having them. That's such a good idea as well to have a conversation with one of your loved ones and have it recorded because you never know when you're going to want to listen back to that and have that memory and, you know, feel like you're still with them physically, even though they are, I believe, still energetically with you. It's oh, yeah. true. She hops into my dreams. Like, grandma still <laughs> oh. don't. I like, I dream about her a lot. Oh. <laughs> she's still kicking. She's still around. She is. She's still kicking. She's, yeah, she's like, why did you go through my shit? And I was like, grandma. <laughs> okay, listen, lady. <laughs> That's funny. The fear of someone going through my stuff. <laughs> Just like right? a wave of that going over. Oh my gosh. My grandparents, they're like 97 and 95 now or something really bonkers like that. And they up until like last week were still living in the house that they they raised my dad in and and everything. But it's just like has stairs and it's too much. They just moved into a retirement home literally like last week and they're not happy about it. But I like that. No, they're not happy about it. But I could imagine like the type of grief you're experiencing. Like my opa, he was like, well, Margaret, like look back because this is the last time you're ever going to see this house that like you raised lots of little humans in and you spent like every day in. I can't even like imagine or on the note, like I wish I had videos or or things like that. But my um, or actually I'll stop talking because there's background noise. Oh, I don't hear anything. Um, but oh, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I um, what's it? I'm gonna tell you guys something. Oh, um, my therapist also recommended doing like a like a passion project with my grandma. Oh, so I've been writing short stories about her as a child, like as a teen growing up in the Dominican Republic. Because like my grandma was a badass. Like she moved to New York when she was like. 18 and was just like yeah i'm moving like she just told everyone she was moving and then she did and then she like saved up all this money being like a maid doing like these really weird jobs and brought her whole ass family and like by way that's both her parents and like her five siblings to the united states from the dominican republic that's badass right right that's very cool like I need to capture these stories, whether they're real, whether they're not. But, like, I asked her these questions before she passed away because, like, we're in hospice. It, this is the reality of the situation. My grandma won't be here one day, and it's going to happen soon. So I have recordings of her describing her childhood and, like, growing up and getting married and having children and then, like, getting a divorce, living her life as a badass bitch, like, traveling around the world like her last trip she went to el salvador by herself just yeah. because she wanted to like that Queen. was her last trip. so good that is yeah. goals that is so cool i love that Let's go argentina you sweet sweet woman <laughs> whatever you want <laughs> that's like my my younger sister she has calls with my grandpa to get stories like that too um and she created a little like comic almost of their like a zine of the of their life which is like they're not dead yet but they are very old obviously so it's like yeah things like that that she's put effort into to preserve or what i was it was my um my niece that just came downstairs to give me this picture that she drew. That's what the background noise was. <laughs> um, but by <laughs> she's really sweet. But then I was just thinking too, like it's it's my brother and his wife and his wife is Colombian. And so they're 
their kid who's now four. She's also Colombian. Um, and they're trying to get their visa to come and move to Canada, but they don't have it yet. So they have, they're moving back to Colombia in like two days and he's staying here, which is just like, I could imagine that's a whole form of grief about being in a marriage with somebody that you can't live in the same country as for longer than like three months at a time until the visa process is, is finished. Like I can't, it's almost like grief, but you're not losing anybody, but you're losing like the, the physic, the physicality of being able to be around them and like spend your days with them um, yeah. is like a whole other thing. But my, what I was going to say before is my uncle who I was not very close with, but he mm-hmm. was, I don't know if you have it in the United States, but it, there's a program called the maid program. I can't remember what it stands for, but it's basically for assisted suicide for people who have like really extreme health conditions that they would, that they've tried everything like he had a whole bunch of surgeries and there was issues with his heart and then it was like he couldn't really walk for that long so he mm. pursued that program and that was kind of a hi honey thank you um <laughs> <A little drawing. laughs> yeah i got another package um <laughs> okay i'll come up i'm okay very good <laughs> she is Okay. He also only speaks Spanish, so I can oh, never. I <laughs> so I can never understand. What. Let's get her on the pod. Oh, <laughs> the I know she's funny, but we had a last like Zoom call with him because he was living like a like he doesn't live close to us. So we had a Zoom call with him and like all the cousins. And I took a screenshot of the Zoom call and I have it on my computer that I look at from time to time, just thinking about like how bonkers it is to choose to end your life in a medically assisted suicide way and yeah. how there's lots of feelings even though I wasn't close to him so there's like so much to think about so I can't even imagine like someone that I'm close to passing would be and in a way that was like sudden or unplanned because this was a thing that you plan for like months and you know what the date and what the time is that it's going to happen which in some ways like I think for my mother like having her brother die like that at a certain time on a certain day was in some ways a lot harder but in some ways a lot easier so it's all very confusing and kind of a mixed bag oh yeah it all sucks it literally all sucks like there's i don't think there is a good way to like die in this in anywhere or grieve someone's death truly um i really liked what you talked about Allison, sorry, I had a cough. Um, about how you can grieve. There's different ways to grieve parts that have sort of died in a way, like your past self. Or um, recently, I was thinking about the grievance of a friend that I had, and how that's not really talked about. Not obviously, it's not on the same level as like grieving someone that has physically died, but um, losing friends because I think we evolve in life, especially getting towards thirty, and you just realize people are not on your path and you physically don't have any time to do anything because through cooking, living, working, going to the gym, perhaps you just have no time. There's zero time left. Um, so have you guys ever lost a friend? Can you talk about it? Are you still grieving? Friend breakups are literally like, I think, the most catastrophic to my mental state. Right? I'm not even joking. They're that human so knows too much about yes. me. And she's just allowed to be out in that world <laughs> and like have all this information. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an Enneagram eight. So like I have a very small group of friends. Like I, I pick them 
Like mm-hmm. I'm, I get to a point in my life and I was like, this is it. I don't need any more. <laughs> if you, if you choose to leave, that's fine. I might take one more in that, but like, this is the circle. This is it. I'm telling you all my things. You guys have seen me cry. You guys have seen me at my worst. And I'm expecting, like, I have an unrealistic expectation that you're going to stay with me forever because we're friends. Like, you're not my man. You're not my family member. Like, we chose each other. And that's not the truth. And I am still trying to process that type of trauma. (laughs) Yes, so true. My goodness. They just know too much about you. And there's also, I think, with friendships, like with family, there's – I. I think 98% of my family I would not choose in the real life, in the wild. <laughs> you know what I mean? But your friends, you choose. And it is only good memories. Because if you start having only bad memories with friends, they're not going to You're out of there. You. Exactly. You're out of there. But family, you're like, okay, fine. I got to deal with crazy Aunt Lori or whatever it is. You know? It's like, it's just, it's something you tolerate. But friends, it's all good. And then something just happens and it ruins it. And you know, yeah, maybe there's some bad memories that you can think of with them, but most of the memories that you're reminiscing on are really good. And I think that's the like one of the hardest part, parts about losing a friend is that you just lost something good in your life. And yeah, it's just really sad. Losing something good. Yeah. True. But also, maybe you needed to learn or lose that particular person to make your life even better. And like, mm-hmm. also, how do you guys talk about it? Like, you just we're not friends anymore. No, there's that conversation does not happen. You guys just stop talking to each other and pray you never run into each other again. I have run into my ex best friend here three times already. And like, exactly. Why (laughs) go to a different Trader Joe's? Like this this, is my Trader Joe's. Like this is mine. You have one closer to your apartment. And then I'm like, and then, like, what do you say? I'm not going to say hi because it's not my fault. What do you See, again, petty. I'm petty. I'm coming out. But like, Fair enough. What do you do right. when you see them in the wild and you're just like, I know you, but I don't know you right now? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's so awkward. And it's funny that you say that too because I had that incident with this when I first moved to New York. I was really on a friend's spree and I met a couple of people and you know, you just you realize, okay, after a couple of months, they're not my person. So this happened with this particular girl and I was going to the subway and her stop was 57th and I was on the queue and it like and I was sitting on the queue and she has blue hair and the doors opened and like out of the peripheral I see the or the doors are closed, sorry, and I see the blue hair and I'm I was like really hungover and I had this tea next to me that I was drinking to like revive myself and I see the blue hair and it doesn't fully the neurons don't fully connect together and then as soon as the door is open it all hits me and I'm like I need to leave. I grab the tea in one foul movement and sprint over to the other <laughs> side of fight the car. Literally fight or flight within 20 seconds. And there was this like, you know, group of young teens and they all just start bust out laughing. And I'm like, you know what? Laugh it up. I'm not sitting here with near her, near her. Okay. So I don't care because she would have, that door would have opened and we would have locked eyes. And I don't know what I would have said. How are you doing? I would have probably just ignored it because it 
you know, it's awkward and I don't want to, I don't want to interact. So I sprinted across the car. Not Fair enough. Kayla, I, Kayla, I hope you're like more, um, I guess, emotionally managed than you are and like <laughs> mature. Like, I just Never. feel like you're more mature that you like, you see her in that, that TJ's, you see her in that subway and you're like, I can be the bigger person. Oh, she I was would. A, I, I was about to say, like, I think even if I ran into any of my exes, I would still be like, oh my gosh, hi. Like, how, like I don't, like, there's not really, an, I don't know. There's not, I don't know. I was just thinking, like, whilst you guys were talking, that I don't have any, like, friendship breakups that have been, like, all that dramatic or in my adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I've had friendships that have, like, fizzled out, but, like, I'm still really good friends with all of my friends from high school and then Juliana from Paris and then my friends from university. Like, it's kind of fun having these little compartmentalized groups of friends. Um, but I think what I resonated more with that I think Allison touched on earlier was, um, like, losing part of yourself almost but I think sometimes I grieve like the like what could have been which I think is a really Mm. kind of strange feeling to have because obviously what you think could have been is a very romanticized version of any everything um but even just like growing up and having a lot of kind of different mental illnesses or experience with mental illnesses really young and then seeing how that kind of manifested when I was older um thinking about like what my life would be without mental illness is a whole different realm of reality that sometimes I get all huffy puffy and upset and I'm like ah if only I weren't mentally ill (laughs) like that would be good and kind of (laughs) grieving kind of grieving this like (laughs) version of yourself that is not in reality and it's kind of a weird, like, I don't think that often, but sometimes when I'm, like, really deep in my feelings and I'm, like, on my period and I'm grumpy and someone has said something wrong, I'm, like, oh, my gosh, grieving this version of myself that is, like, this thriving, like, I don't, like, the version of yourself that you could only imagine you being in some, like, teen movie. Mm. I think about that sometimes. You. Yeah. There's, like, the alpha you, there's the beta you, and then mm-hmm. there's, like, the real you. Yes. And- you're, like, a little bit of both. <laughs> Yes. you get it all I Girl. sometimes do yes. that but mine's a little extreme I like to think of what if I was the child of multi-billionaires <laughs> yes <laughs> things like that and I think about that I was like I would never have to pay rent I'd never have to stress about rent you know like all this I think about my alternative life um but yeah, maybe not in the same way as you two. That's funny. No, Juliana's no. alternative life is growing up with billionaires, and mine is being not mentally ill. <laughs> Which um, just speaks volumes to the maturity of you guys. So funny. So good. Fair enough. I think about that sometimes, too. Yeah. yeah. What it's would life be to. like if you were handed right. another deck of cards? Or even, like, exactly. I don't know. Like, being someone that on pretty much, like, every front on paper, I'm, like, privileged beyond means. Like, just imagining if I was handed any other – like, if anything were different in my life. Like, if my parents weren't together, if I didn't go to this specific school, if I didn't meet these specific friends, if I didn't have this random job growing up. Like, kind of the domino effect that your life would have. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of crazy to, like, think about all these alternate versions of reality and sometimes, like, grieving something that was just, like, a fantasy to begin with. It's interesting to think about. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. I feel like mine is going to be super controversial, and feel free to, like, remove it from Hit the us. final product. 
But girl, I imagine my life if I were white. And I, I knew this was coming. Queen. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, that's not controversial at all. Yes. Like she would have all the resources. But in the actuality, I lo- I I don't want that. Like I, I used to fantasize about that because of where I was. Because it's just like, oh, I want I don't want curly hair anymore. Like I want to have my hair really long, just like like ponytail, like all the other girls I go to school with. You know that. Like mm-hmm. then I realized I just wanted to fit in a little bit more, mm. and that was really good to learn. But the the me that I actually miss is the thinner me, which is very problematic because I do have. Um, I am like anorexic and like working through that. So that is the me that I miss. Like the one twenty the one twenty, one fifteen me. But right now I'm at I'm at a healthy one fifty. So we're working through that and we're doing what we need to do to stay in that realm of as long as you're healthy, healthy, happy, and fat. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. fat, fat in a good way. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? <laughs> the internalized fat phobia. God. It will get you. It's so true. And it's just uh. like let's just you know what guys grieving i'm oh grieving gosh. it so true no, totally. Honestly, wow like, totally that makes three for three us. of us in the eating disorder world yes love an eating disorder queen <laughs> <Us>. <laughs> guys what a bunch but that's so true like grieving <laughs> a, a body that you used to have when you were ill yeah. or even like it's confusing <laughs> it's really confusing because you're rewarded for that that illness. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. literally rewarded for it. Like, like culturally by society, you know? but also systemically. Like there's so many privileges mm-hmm. in being thin. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot. So, so and true. I was reading an article that like fat phobia actually started because it was like anti-blackness. Whoa. Yes. And we could have like, a whole other podcast about that. Way. <laughs> so true. It all comes back down to racism, is where like anti fatness came from. Because no it was idea. just Euros, yes, because it was just Eurocentric beauty standards that the people oh. were like, yes, whiteness, yes, thinness. And then they were like, uh, racism and fat phobia all in one. Whoa. The Kardashians came out and made having a boob, boobies, and like a butt a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. And now everyone wants it. And I'm just trying to like, understand what is healthy for me Uh and not look at instagram and i think everybody else is trying to understand that too Mm -hmm. instagram is toxic (laughs) do either of you have tiktok oh my god yes to get tiktok me too i've never had it because i know i'd spend so much time on it but i hear that it's even like worse than instagram is for body positivity things oh is it i feel like i'm on the wrong tiktok then why mm-hmm. <laughs> because mine's like i i think they got my algorithm right i have like, <sighs> beautiful black and brown women traveling their lives and like Aww. living their their girl boss moments and also having like really healthy um quick food recipes oh yeah guys tiktok is like the encyclopedia i always wish i had like That's for someone with ad add i'm just like learning everything like that <laughs> see i know everything obviously i fact check but <laughs> no that's so what true I've heard. yeah i've heard like tiktok is it gets your algorithm because reels on instagram i feel like it throws in a lot of random stuff throws in a lot of wrenches and i'm like i don't necessarily want to know this but now i do and i can't help but feel like it's in my subconscious now and then at dinner on saturday night i'm 
starting the sentence with, so I watched this on a reel earlier. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not great. I'm embarrassed at myself. Um, But yeah, Instagram. Yeah. The reels get the trends like two weeks later. I know. Exactly. I'm so behind. I'm just. What do you do? What do you, what are like healthy things you do when you're sad? And you're, when like, I'm you're, sad? Yeah, when you're like grieving the part of you you lost. Like, what if, what was my life be like if I didn't have mental health issues? Or like, what, what do you do to bring yourself out of that bubble? So true. Um, I cry a lot. I love crying. I actually, since being medicated, I do not cry often. Like I used to cry every day, either just like because life or because I'd be like, I need to have a good cry right now. And then I'd cry and then I'd feel better. But now since being medicated, I don't really cry that often, which is really weird for me. Um, So that kind of outlet is a little bit out the window. Um, I'd say I kind of like, I still struggle to find a balance between like keeping busy and being too busy to like avoid dealing with whatever my problems are. Um, So I try to find a healthy balance of like doing things I enjoy and being involved in the community, but in a way that doesn't like take over my life, like especially doing like environmental activism type things. Like it's a fine line between like it consuming everything and it being a really healthy, good coping mechanism. I also have a really good group of friends um and i have the opportunity to travel a lot but in like i kind of move every four months to different places um for different work terms and school terms because i'm still at university so i think changing my scenery helps a lot learning about new people and new places um and staying involved in community work that is like energizing and fueling me instead of like draining me has been an interesting journey to find those things that is so healthy yeah. so good. So healthy. <laughs> you are kayla truly medicated like- therapized woman well you i've literally been in therapy like consistently since i was in since i was 10 so it would be like a little bit concerning if i wasn't Hashtag mental health literate. <laughs> <laughs> mental health queen. I know. But truly, though, we were talking, me and Kayla were talking about breakups, and um, can't, like, I just cannot, I can't get over how goddamn mature you are. Kayla said that she found out some really traumatizing news um, about her girlfriend. Well, it's on the pod, so I feel like I can say it that her girlfriend yeah. had cheated on her. Instead of going psycho, like, I feel like me and 99% of the population would. She spent weeks seeking out therapists on how to deal (laughs) with the issue and not only how to deal with the issue, but how to calmly have a conversation with her ex-girlfriend who cheated on her and to be like nice and considerate. Like, (laughs) who does that? It says that her relationships matter to her and like, she really loved that person oh. to to try to understand what was actually happening. So true. That's lovely. That does. Yeah. All true things. Also, Therapy is good. Please remember, not everyone deserves that. Yeah. <laughs> you pick your people. Seriously. 
Not everyone deserves the therapized, medicated version that I am now. No. You gotta pick your people. Yeah, your future partners are very lucky. Let yeah. them know. Yeah. Do we, do we want to get into grieving relationships? Is that like a nice little segue? Yeah, we yeah. can talk about that. Sure. Juliana, do you want to go? Um, I don't have any. You know what? Actually, I do. Um, one that I was in for three years and I think about that of like how Kayla says that she thinks about like her alternative world. I think about that all the time. If I would have stayed with him and what my life would have been like and how I wouldn't have gone through the turbulence of dating in New York and dealing with complete douchebags. Because he was just such a sane, nice person that I think you get out of that or at least I got out of that relationship thinking all men are like this, right? <laughs> no. Um, so <laughs> there's a lot of grieving there and just – you know, realizing that you left something behind and there's no going back to that and just having to be on your own and to sort of make your way alone. And it's it's sad. And yeah, I don't think I dealt with it in the most productive way. I definitely did a lot of just floundering around hookup wise. But yeah, that was my sort of grievance or my biggest grievance in relationships all the rest haven't been super big uh, but what we talked about um in our other podcasts kayla of like what um the breakup meant and i think the biggest grieving part mm. for me was that it meant that it was sort of like a parent like it was a stable figure that loved me in a very healthy way and so that was the biggest part that i was grieving not so much the person obviously the person but it was 50 50 so yeah mm. what about you guys i think that yeah, I think that was mine because my okay guys remember when I told you in the other podcast episode I was toxic AF. Mm -hmm. This human received a lot of my toxicity and like manipulation. So you know what? I'm sorry, person. Sorry, dude. I'm sorry <laughs> I put you through that. Like I am sorry. I'm better. But like we were on and off for ten years. I was definitely not a good partner. Yes, I know, right? Not a good partner cheated i was horrible like horrible 10 years and, is a very long time yeah yeah guys don't don't date people in long term in high school like the psychology of mm -hmm. that and coming from a home where i didn't really have like stable parents were there yes were they stable no <laughs> were there was their relationship stable again no so the person who was calm, kind, collected, treated me well, I was like, oh, that that was like, wow, finally, like, this is what it's supposed to be like. I'm not supposed to, to feel as unworthy as I do. And then I like, got too comfortable and realized how much I could get away with, because mm -hmm. he was not respecting his own boundaries. And he was afraid to lose me. And I knew that. But obviously, I got out of that circle but once I did and I broke up with him um he got a new girlfriend and that's when I like flipped I became a bit of a psycho and I had to go to therapy and I like stopped eating like I lost so much weight to the point where like my friends are very concerned with me my family thought I was like really sick and I my heart just broke and like I just felt so just so destroyed 
because it was like the one person who knew me and knew everything is not with me anymore and found someone better. Mm-hmm. And it felt like like that was something that continued throughout my life, people finding someone better than me. And like I now I know that that doesn't make any sense at all. But like at a young age you're like you notice that the common thread between you and all your relationships are you. So like it's definitely like you are the problem. But no, I just had to realize that I'm reparenting little little baby Allison and little baby Allison needed someone who was stable and kind to protect her and be there for her when her parents weren't. But now I'm learning that, you know, that person needs to be me. Nobody else. And that True. was really like a very destructive breakup. But also that grieving brought me to become more in tune with my emotions. I am more aware of like my boundaries and more aware of the love that I deserve and the love that I should be giving people and the respect that I should be giving people. And like, those are really big things that don't sound like a big deal. Like, obviously you should treat people how you want to be treated, but guys, the world's not that black and white. We're always going to be someone's nemesis or the evil person, someone's story. And that's okay. But do you have to understand like, who you really are and find who you really are and just hold on to that i think that was a very long-winded but there it is oh no that that's great. really good yeah and it's all about like self-discovery and learning about yourself and what you need um yeah no i don't really have any story to to bounce off of of those two juliana did you have something to add well i think that's a really good point that you made allison of like how you sort of discover more about yourself and I think it takes these really sad moments in your life you sort of like rock bottom and grief can be really rock bottom you know if you will um, to help you to sort of catapult you into that new growth in your life that you needed to get to but there wasn't any push so I think that grief in relationships always happens for a reason and heartbreak always you know is needed so that we can sort of see what we weren't seeing before because we were comfortable. So if that sort of yeah. makes it seem better. Hindsight's twenty twenty. also. Yeah. Like always. It truly is. Kind of bonkers. Um, do we have any final sentiments before wrapping up or anything that people wanted to say? Mm. Oh, oh um, there was one thing that my, my therapist said. And she said about, like, respecting and remembering someone that you loved. Um, boop, boop, boop. Sorry, I'm looking through my therapy notes. I'm so sorry. Um, no, that's okay. good. I know. I take notes in my therapy. I'm like, oh, my God, she has nuggets. I'm ready. No, I do, too. <laughs> my a book. Oh. I just I love all the therapist stuff that they say wherever they get it. They have a forum together. So for people who have lost family members or anyone who like maybe they lost someone very suddenly after a fight, that is something that um, we had to work through with my therapist and I is that fighting does not take away the love that you have for that one, that one person. And fighting doesn't mean that they don't know that you don't, that you love them. Because when my 
like my family was in a huge like fighting situation. I might like everyone was very distant. And then my grandma passed away and we all came together. So one of my big regrets was like, I didn't get to have that time with her that I should have spent with her because we didn't know that this was going to happen. So just making sure you all know that no matter what people who you lose, they know you love them and you got to let that guilt go. So true. I can't imagine losing someone after a fight and the amount of guilt someone would feel. But yeah, I mean, just how you have a fight with a friend, that doesn't mean that's the only memory you have with them. It's all the good memories that are going to trump everything. So mm-hmm. yeah. so true. Great what a good hard. episode. Yeah. I know. I was going to say too, like before we finished, I think I would be remiss if I didn't say it because I throughout, it's interesting like having conversations about mental health and things like that but also being like flawed growing people Mm -hmm. and in the episode I said crazy which I don't usually say but I said it colloquially Mm -hmm. and we also said psycho and those are like two things that are quite stigmatizing that Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting like talking about mental health and then also like maybe unintentionally um hurting people who might be listening so I wanted to like call myself out on saying that um and like these conversations I think it's I think it's good to like make mistakes and I'm like almost glad that I said it and now I'm acknowledging it because that's like part of being human as well. And I think it'd be cool if we had a content warning at the beginning of our podcast too. I think that could be a good addition for future episodes. Yeah. Just kind of two things I was reflecting on whilst we were having this like super impactful, like really interesting. I think it changed my outlook on a lot of things. So I think this conversation was really good. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right, I said psycho and crazy guys. I think I said it as well. But like, we also, all said at the it. same time, yeah. my, I was not, the levels in my brain were not where they should be. That's mm-hmm. proven during that point in time. So, like, good to know that. Fair enough. No, so true. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's all good. Um, We'll see you guys next week.